Now, this morning's topic is fighting with faith. And, you know, I'm not really an expert on this matter, although I'm an expert at fighting. You know, I've certainly had many battles in my life, some really huge battles that have been really tough, and then some not so bad, you know, that I've been able to get through. And I know every single one of us has shared similar experiences. And today when I talk about fighting with faith, I'm not talking about the fight that we talk about in Timothy, in in the books of Timothy, fighting and running your race, because that's the fight of our life to to sort of stay in that place, in our lane, running with God, getting to the end of our life and God being able to say, you know, my, my good and faithful servant. I'm not talking about that fight because that's a lifelong thing that we are just running in our race. But I'm talking about the fights that come while we're doing that. The fights and the battles that come to hit us while we are running that race, the race of our lives. And sometimes while you're doing that, things can come at you. They can come at you personally. And and the way I kind of sort of if I was to give you an analogy, it would be it would be like we're walking in our life along the shore. And we just, you know, the water comes and it goes, it comes and it goes. And it's actually quite beautiful to just walk along the shore. And those waves come and they hit your feet and then they go again. But sometimes the waves get bigger. Sometimes we can get hit and, you know, that cold burst comes and hits us right in our gut and then it goes away. And then sometimes it can be a huge wave and it can come right over us. And then we can, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I'm, I don't really like swimming much. I don't like the cold water. But I have been in the water where you, the wave can hit you and spin you around. And then you're trying to get up and you think you're on your way up. And as you're pushing to find air, you hit the ground and you realize, I'm going in the wrong direction. I need to get back on my feet. I need to get to the air. I need to know where I'm going. I'm a bit disorientated. I've been shaken up. And then you find your feet and you push up. And that's the battle I'm talking about in our life that can happen. And it can happen to anyone. And I remember actually one time when Brad was about two and Mick and I were on Palm Beach and we were going with our church at the time and some people were going to get baptised and Mick and I were going to get baptised that day. And it was a cool day and it was overcast and uh, I think Brittany was a little newborn baby and her grandma had her in the car and I thought I'd take Bradley for a walk on the shore. And I was watching him, you know, I was an overprotective mum. They didn't come easy. I was, you know, I was like the lioness watching her cubs. And as we were walking, you know, and I'm just thinking, it's okay. And he's just a, such, he was such a good boy, you know. He's always stayed near mum and he's walking along. And all of a sudden, this wave crashed over us. And I just panicked. And I could not see him. I could not, I reached out to try and grab him and I couldn't see him. And all I could see was a little bit of his hair out in the top of the water. And you know what? I grabbed his hair as much. I just grabbed his head, his hair, and I pulled it. And this poor kid, I don't know what he thought was happening. I'm sure he's still got a bruise on his head. I pulled that child towards me as hard as I could out of that wave. And the strength of that wave totally took me by surprise. You know, and I'll never forget that day as long as I live because I was like, oh my goodness, I had to fight to grab that child. I don't know what would have happened. It was a huge, huge wave and it it took me completely by surprise. And sometimes life can be like that. Sometimes life can be like that. So how do we fight that? You know, war is ugly and we all hear about wars and and they say in wars that, you know, there are no winners. That battles, there are no winners. But you know what? Christ has battled for us and he has already won. 
We are winners. We are winners. The war has been won. And the war that Christ battled trumps any other war in our life. And we need to remember that whenever we're going through our battles, because that's what builds our faith. That's what's helped me build my faith. And you know, Jesus battled. Sometimes we think that, you know, Christ maybe um, had this supernatural power and he did, but he was still a man. He was a man and he battled. And when I, I think about his life, especially towards the end of his life, when he knew that that big battle, that climax of his life was coming, when that huge battle was coming, you know, he was in the garden and, and we can read about it in Luke 22, 43 and 44. It says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. It's really interesting. I thought that was really interesting that he had just had an encounter with an angel. A heavenly being had just come down and he had that encounter and it says that angel strengthened him. And then it talks about his anguish and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. So that angel actually strengthened him to pray. It strengthened him to pray more earnestly, the Bible says. So it didn't actually take the battle away. It just gave him the strength to get through that battle, to pray harder, to seek deeper, to get stronger on the inside. And then the sweat coming down like drops of blood. I mean, I've never had that, but you know, there, there is a term for that. There is a medical term for that. And it is actually, it is a condition. It's a very rare condition, but it's called hematidrosis. And if you're a doctor and I haven't said that properly, excuse me, but that's what it's called. There is actually a medical term for that when you're in so much stress and anguish that your sweat comes out like blood. And that's what happened to Jesus in his battle. And that would have been a really deep battle. And I often think about him on the cross when the pain was unbearable. You know, you can see, you, you can see that he's suffering. You can see the pain in his body uh, uh, when he was hit and when he was tortured. You can see that pain. But you can't see the pain inside. You can't really see the emotion inside. And I don't know what it would feel like. I have enough trouble carrying my own sin. But to carry the whole sin of the world and the guilt and the shame and the grief of that on the inside of him, what a battle that would have been. We often talk about what happened on the outside, but we don't often realize what happened on the inside, in the spirit, in his emotions. You know, it's in Isaiah 53, 10, it says, but the Lord was pleased to crush him putting him to grief. What that, what that grief would have looked like on the inside, I don't know. But I know he was still in a battle. And, you know, he, he had to fight to say the words. You know, when he looked at the, the people that were torturing him, when he looked at them, he had to probably battle that grief and that betrayal, you know, and that humiliation to say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. I think that was a battle on the inside. And when he went down, it says he went down to Hades in the depths of the earth to grab the keys so that he could unlock eternal life for us. What would that battle be like? Where did he get the keys from? Who did he have to fight to get those keys? I don't know. It doesn't really say. But that was a battle to rise from the dead. He, he, is, he is just what we need to look at. He is an example of our faith. He is the one that gives us strength to bear. When we look at him and we see that he has won, it gives us hope to win, to know that we, that we are winning. 
And really, how do you fight that kind of a fight? How do you fight the fight of faith with faith? And I think one of the really important things we have to understand is what we're actually not fighting. So I think sometimes when we realize what we're not fighting, it helps us to fight well and to fight with faith. And because we're physical beings, you know, and the enemy's greatest delight is to hit us, to bring that wave on us through other people. And sometimes we look at that person and we want to fight the person. But we need to think about the one who's behind that person and not to be living in the physical, fighting in the physical. The Bible says in John 10.10, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and to destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So we need to know that the enemy is behind what's going on in our battles, that the enemy is there trying to steal, to kill and to destroy us, not the other person. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, well-balanced and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times that the enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. And you know, I don't know about you guys, but I've met people like that. Have you ever met people that always want to, hey, I'm Leb. There are people that just want to have a fight all the time. Are they not? But you know, we've got to look beyond that. We've got to look beyond that. We've got to look to the source. And when we're facing our battles, it's important that we discern the spirits and know how we ought to respond. We need to know. I learned very quickly in, in my battles that the, the biggest trap of the enemy is that if we, want to, if we start fighting people, if we start fighting people, the enemy's going, yes, that's great. I got that one. He'll tick it off his list because that's exactly what he wants us to do. He wants to bring division. He wants to break relationships. You know, I mean, husband and wife, how many times does that happen? We've got to look beyond that. We've got to look beyond that. We've got to see things through the eyes of faith. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons, weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Our weapons are not physical weapons. They're not physical weapons. They're not physical weapons. They are spiritual weapons, spiritual warfare. And it's really important to remember that whenever we're in a battle, whenever we feel at work or at school or wherever, wherever we go, in our relationships, in the shops, how many times have you guys had, I had once somebody steal my parking spot. You know what, I felt like someone had beaten me up, but I didn't want to fight that person, I tell you. They were a big Islander person, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to have this fight. I gave them the spot, but afterward, I felt, oh my gosh, what was I going to do with that? What was I going to do in that moment? How was I going to fight that battle? Thank God I decided not to. <laughs> so Jesus knew. Jesus knew when they mocked him, when they tortured him, when they murdered him. He responded with those beautiful words, forgive them. Because he knew the battle was spiritual. He knew it wasn't the people. He knew his purpose. He knew who he was. He knew who his father was. So what are our weapons that are spiritual? And I know we've been talking about this in the series right along. Every single week, it always came up that prayer is our weapon. Praying, keeping those communication lines open with God, constantly putting ourselves before God and our requests before God and praying for people for strength, inviting the power of God into our situation, 
calling down the Holy Spirit to take hold of that situation of that person, praying for that person because obviously they need prayer. It's really important. And worship is another weapon. And I love worship. I love to worship God. And when I read the scriptures, I see David and how much he loved to worship God. He had to battle, battle many things in his, in his life. He had an angry king chasing him, wanting to kill him. He had so many wives. I don't know how he did that one. But <laughs> And he, his own sin, he had to battle his own sin. He had to battle for his children. And a lot of times in the Psalms, you hear him lamenting over his life. And one of the Psalms in Psalm 71, he cries out to God and it's like a prayer. And it's like, a God, come down, save me. My enemies surround me. And he talks like this. And he says, you know, give me an escape. And, I, you know, do not forsake me. And these are the words that he says. But what's so beautiful about this psalm is that, that every second verse, he is worshipping and praising God in the midst of that, in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the cry, in the midst of the prayer. So in verse 14, he says, and I will praise you yet even more and more. And then he still continues to praise, verse 6, verse 8, verse 15, verse 16, verse 17, verse 22, verse 23, verse 24. It's all praising God. And in between, he's talking about his struggles and his battles and what he's going through. And he's still praising God in the midst of that. And I think there's a lot for us to learn about that. No wonder God said he was a man after God's own heart. Because you know what? It's a slap in the face of the devil when you can praise God while you're going through something. It is a hit and you actually destroy his power when you can praise God in the middle of a battle. You know, and I know I've been in church a long time and I've seen people come to God when they need him and then off they go, you know, in their life and life goes back to normal. And then they come back when something else goes wrong or when they need something, they come into the church, they, need, they get what they need and then they go back and it's gone again. They, the battle's finished, so they're gone again. But you know what, that's, that's kind of their faith is going in a circle. They're not really going anywhere. It's just a circle going, grinding and grinding. But the one that can worship God in the middle of the battle is the one who has an increase in faith every single time he defeats a battle. He gets through a battle. He gets to the other side and he moves forward. And that's what we need to do as, as believers, to be moving forward every time we go through something. Worship him anyway. Worship him anyway. And there are beautiful stories of the heroes in the Bible, you know, that have actually worshipped God in the midst of, of a huge persecution. And if I think of the book of Daniel, and we know the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, we know that story. And the words they said were so powerful, you know, when they stood before King Nebuchadnezzar and they, you know, they did not worship his God. They would not do it. They wanted to worship their God. They knew they loved God more than anything. And they said to him in verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, even if he doesn't, even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Even if I don't get my way, even if I don't get what I want, and that's what's beautiful about worshipping God in the midst of our battles. That's powerful and that fills us with faith. And that's how we battle. That's how we battle God, <coughs> for God, with God. And then the king ended up worshipping the God of Israel. 
And people are watching. People are seeing how we battle as Christians, as believers with God, how we battle. And you know, the Word of God is a weapon. The Word of God is a weapon. The Word of God is such a powerful weapon. And I love the Word of God because I know that when I speak the Word of God, that I'm not just saying words, but I'm, I'm releasing power into my situation, into the atmosphere. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, the completeness of a person and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's just what it does. It's very powerful. It's very powerful. It's sharp. It cuts away. It cuts away the power of the enemy. I was just reading about the Roman swords in those days. The Roman swords were used and they were short double-edged swords called gladius. Because they are smaller and lighter, it is easier for a soldier to carry for a long distance and easier to handle and maneuver in a battle. While a shield, a helmet, breastplate were used only for defense purposes, a sword was used for offense as well as defense. For defense, a soldier wields the sword to deflect the enemy's blow. As an offensive weapon, the sword was used to attack an enemy until the weapon seriously wounded or killed the assailant. That's what the Word of God does. I want to show you that the small sword is a Roman sword. This is the Arab sword. Look at that. You can hold it like that and you stop the enemy. You can go like that and you can stop the enemy. That's the sword of the Spirit. Just to give you a physical idea. I don't know. That's Mickey's actually, my warrior son. <laughs> the Word is powerful in battle. It exposes and judges the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. Do you know where there's a beautiful example of this in the Bible? And this is a physical example, not just a spiritual example. Do you remember King Solomon when these two women came to him? One had, had slept on her baby and it died and so she swapped her baby with her friend's baby and she took the living baby and gave the other one the dead baby in the night while the other one was asleep. Do you remember that story? What did King Solomon do when they came before him? They came before him. The one that, that, that's baby died said, well, that's my baby. And the other one said, no, but that's my baby. I got up in the night and, and, and I know that the other baby's my, and they were fighting over this baby. So what did Solomon do? He pulled out the sword. He pulled out the sword and he said, cut the baby in half and give half to this one and half to that one. Immediately, his real mother said, no, don't do that. Give her the baby. Give her, give, give her the baby. Just keep the baby alive. That sword was discerning in judgment at that time. It discerned and, and it judged and it exposed the heart. And the same way that it happened in that story, it will happen in the spirit when we speak the word of God. It is very powerful. And sometimes I think we can underestimate that. Sometimes I think we can underestimate that. Do you know one time, actually, Mick and I, we, when we wanted to buy this house, and we had a big struggle for many years to, to kind of purchase the property that we wanted. And <coughs> there was this house for sale that we're living in right now. And we, I, I thought it was great. I felt like, you know, God was saying, yes, that's the one you should buy. And and we went and had a look at the house with the first real estate agent and, and, you know, we put in an offer and they said no. They kept saying no. 
and the house was up for sale and then I thought, well, okay, two months, three months when the, when the, when the lease or whatever it is they do, the, the contract ran out, they went with a different real estate agent. So we did the same thing again. We offered a price for this house and they said no. And I thought, well, this is really weird. I really feel like this house should be ours. It's, there's no reason why it shouldn't be. It's in our price range. It's up for sale. I'm not claiming something that, or trying to get something that's not for sale. Why is this battle so hard? And then the whole thing ran out again. The, the, that real estate agent's time ran out. The contract ran out and they got a third real estate agent. And I thought, you know what, Lord, there's a battle here and I, I need to fight this battle. So me and a really great Christian friend of mine who's a prayer warrior, I went and I bought the, the best bottle of extra virgin olive oil you can possibly buy. I went to the front boundary of that house and I said, God, I have to fight for this house. I don't know why, but I'm going to fight for this house. I'm going to fight for this house. I poured the oil and we prayed. We prayed on that fence line. We marched up and down and I said, devil, you're not going to stop my blessing. This house is for sale. This house is for sale. Why, why are you stopping me? You're not going to stop me. And I started speaking the word of God over that house. I was talking about God's blessings for our life. And I prayed and my, my warrior friend, we prayed together. I felt like I had a sword in my hand that day. And you know what? They, they finally sold us the house. We saw the house in January. We got the house in about September. Praise God. You know what? We can fight the battles. We can fight the battles. We can fight the battles. God wants to bless us. Hebrews 6, 18 and 19 says this, So that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. This hope, this confident assurance we have, as an anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears on it, a safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, that most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. He is an anchor to our soul. When we're in the battle, when we are struggling, when we have got waves and storms around us, He is the anchor. He is our hope. He is our faith. He is the rock that we put down in the ground and the faith is the chain that holds on to our boat. Our boat is our life and it doesn't matter what happens to us. It doesn't matter how the waves come. It doesn't matter how the storm comes. It doesn't matter what happens to that boat. The chain that is holding us on to the anchor, Jesus Christ, that's our faith that has a boundary. You can't go further than that chain. You can't go further, devil. You can't go further. There is a boundary around how far he can go because of the faith that we have in Christ. There is a boundary, a strong boundary. And you know what? Jesus is on the boat. Jesus is on the boat. And we need to remember that Jesus is on the boat. It doesn't matter what happens around us, that he's on the boat. He is with us. He is for us. He is on the boat. We need to remember that. There is a difference between hope and faith, but yet they are very similar. Faith and hope, there's a difference, but they're very, very similar. I was reading what Luther says about, about hope and about faith. It says, they differ as touching their object, that is, the special matter whereunto they look. Faith has for her object the truth, teaching us to cleave surely, there, there too, and looking upon the word and promise of the thing that is promised, 
hope has for her object the goodness of God and looks upon the thing which is promised in the word, that is, upon such matters as faith teaches us to hope for. Now, that's a tongue twister, but what it's saying, (laughs) the truth, faith is the truth. Faith is not the facts. Faith is the truth, the truth of God's word. And hope is God's goodness for what's to come. Hope is God's goodness. And they, they sit together closely. We have faith in God. We, we have truth in His Word. And then God's goodness comes in the hope that we have. And it's really important that we cleave. We cleave ourselves to Him. We attach ourselves to Him, the rock. And He's the anchor that holds us down, that controls what's going on in our world. He does control that. He is the one and He's with us and it doesn't matter where we go. And can I just say, when you know Jesus is on the boat, you fight differently. When you know He's with you, you fight differently. That, that builds your faith. That in itself, if you can believe that, that builds your faith. There's a beautiful story in Exodus chapter 17 and we know the story where Israel was fighting the Amalekites. And Moses had said to Joshua, you go down and fight. You take the sword and you go down and you physically fight. And Moses stood on a hill. He stood on the rock. He stood on the mountain. And he lifted what he had in his hand. He said he will lift the staff of God. He will hold the staff of God and take that with him. And he will raise his hands to God. He will pray. He will stand behind Joshua. And while his hands were raised, we know the story. While his hands were raised to God, while that staff was in his hand, Joshua won the battle. And that's how our life is. Sometimes we need to fight for the ones in the front line. Sometimes we need to be like Moses. If we're not, if we're like Joshua, we need to have somebody standing behind us like Moses and fighting for us. We need to have that. And I tell you, what someone really, really close to me is right now fighting one of the most difficult fights you could ever fight. They're fighting cancer for the second time. And I can't fight that battle for this person, somebody really dear and close to me. I can't fight that battle for that person. I can't stand in the front line. I can't take the pain away. I can't do the chemo for this person. But you know what? While this person is on the front line, while this person is fighting, while they've got the sword in their hand, and while they are fighting for their life, I am standing in the background. I'm standing on the rock. I'm standing on that mountain and I'm raising my hands and I'm praying my heart out and I'm battling from behind to see the victory in this person's life. And I encourage you to do that for others. I encourage you because we need each other. We need each other. You fight better when you know somebody's with you. You fight better when you know somebody's behind you. And finally, I'm just going to read this scripture, Ephesians 6, 13 to 17. And I think we know the armour of God, but sometimes we need to stop and read it. We need to stop and hear it. We need to let it sit in our spirits. And it says this, Ephesians 6, 13 to 17. Therefore, put on the complete armour of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands, to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having a tightened, having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity, moral courage around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, an upright heart, 
And having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in the preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news, above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What beautiful words. Hold on to those words. The shield of faith blocks the enemy blocks his weapons. The breastplate covers your heart. The helmet protects your mind. The sword destroys the enemy. So I just want to ask you today, what are you fighting today? What is your battle? It could be a huge thing. It could be a little thing. What are you fighting today? What is the battle that's standing before you? Where's the front line of your life right now? Are you struggling with sickness or relationships or finances? your work, what's happening for you? Are you trying to buy a house and it's just not happening? Are you battling to do that? Let's stand together. What are you battling for? What are you battling for? Right now, I just want to open the altar. You know, we don't need to know your battles, but God knows your battles. And I want us right now as we come forward to bring our hands open to God, to the altar of God and bring our battle to Him, to bring our battle to Him. I want us to do that this morning. And I know there's people that have things that are unthinkable, but we need to bring them to God. We need to say, God, my faith is in You. God, strengthen that chain that holds me to the anchor. I just want to open that altar right now as the band sings. Just come forward, bring yourself forward. Bring yourself forward because God is right here, right now. God is here. God is here. Just bring that battle to Him. Bring that battle to Him.